Hey, great to be here, isn't it? In spite of the lovely rain, and welcome to those at home. The rain wasn't that heavy, you could have made it. But for those who haven't, we're really pleased you're joining with us. And uh, it's great to be increasingly together, isn't it? As we continue this series on sort of living through the impact of COVID. And we were there, weren't we? Although it looks like Queenslanders have let us down again overnight. But, and I guess that's what it's going to be, the honestly, over the next little while, isn't it? So there's a sense for us we're getting through COVID and there'll be every reminder now and then that actually it is horrible. And of course, in Australia, we need to remind ourselves just how fortunate we are when countries close to us, even our good colleagues in Papua New Guinea, are really struggling with, uh, with uh, the issues that they're facing. So, but we continue, and over this, this series, we've been looking at what it means to, in a sense, be in community when we're dealing with issues uh, like this, but other issues as well. What does it mean for you and me to live out this sense of 40 days of community? And many of you are doing that in your small groups, and, and that's been a really powerful and valuable exercise. Some of us, not in small groups, have been using the journals, and some of those are still available, if, even at this late stage. Uh, I'd encourage you to be saying to yourself, what am I doing that that helps me think about what it means to belong. This morning, but we come to the whole issue of teams and how, how, do, we, how do we do this stuff together in teams? And we're already grateful, aren't we, this morning. We had a great worship team behind us. There's a group of people downstairs. We've got our tech, the tech guys up the back who keep me looking bright and sharp, we trust. But yet it's a great, in our community, a great number of teams of people operating. And so this morning, I just want to, for a few moments, unpack how do we, how do, we do that? And what does that look like? This last week, just on Wednesday night, I had a final team meeting with a group of people I've worked with for the last nine years. Just a small group of us. One guy's in Brisbane. We've never worked <laughs> in the same city together. Often in contact because Zoom and now COVID changed all that. But this is the crossover team, the team of people who put together the resources that strengthen local Baptist churches in terms of their ministry. And of course at Easter, we as a church have been one of those around the country which helps support that ministry by an Easter offering. And I thought as I sat there with some of these people, we're such different people. And yet there's been a lovely sense of journey together over that period of nine years. Just in that case, just five of us have been working together, some full-time, some part-time. All of us, in fact, part-time in that particular ministry. But what makes a team work? And how do we do that? Well, I want to talk this morning about the ABC of teams. How do I strengthen a team? How do I build a team? How do I become part of a team? The A stands for admission into the team. And I'm taking all this, really, from, from the great team builder, Paul. He's writing to the church at Philippians. And let me just read that, that, that section of that scripture for us. As I just begin, Paul writes this to this group of people he got very close to and ministered with and depended upon. He said, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation with love, any sharing the spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love. Be in full accord of, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to quote, was perhaps one of the earliest Christian hymns. Was it his own or did he hear it? Where he talks about who Jesus is. It's a powerful, lovely scripture. 
portion for us. But in here, I believe, are three keys for us about how we operate in teams. Now, we're all in teams. Whether it's our family team, our work teams, our sport teams, wherever we are, there is essentially all function in teams. Some are very formalised, some are quite loose, but they're still in teams. And I think the key to, to, to teams is, of course, the question of how do I get into a team? What's a mission to the team look like? Now, if you think back to it, in your experience of being in teams, have a think about the, the things you had to do to qualify. I mean, right at this moment, there's a whole group of Australian athletes who are working very hard to qualify for the Australian Olympic team in the hope that Tokyo Olympics will actually happen. And when you think of some of their personal stories, the sacrifices they've had to, to reach that point where they qualify to get into the team. And you and I have been there too. My worst memories, you know, when you're being picked in a team and they line you up and that's the captain. That, now you pick, I'll have him, I'll have him, I'll have him, I'll have her, I'll have him. And you get down and there's two of you left. That's an awful feeling, isn't it? Oh, I'm not sure they actually want me. Or worse, when you actually don't get picked for the team. You've tried hard, you've done all you could, you've waited for the selection panel and at the end of it, not chosen. Wow, it's such a painful experience and if I'm the same as you I've been through it on a number of occasions but then on another occasion there's a letter of invitation you've been selected uh, please report at such an occasion whether it's a work team or a sport team uh, and I've got some of those in my collective memory as well and I'm sure you do too where at, wow okay they want me hey that's great because if it's employment that's even better but again, I, my, my, my profound one is actually when Marilyn and I applied to what is now Global Interaction, then Australian Baptist Missionary Society, uh, to apply as candidates. And, uh, and after a, a, quite a process of interviews, we finally got a letter from the board saying, we welcome you to join the team. So you've got those letters too, or at least you've got the memories of that. Well, here's the great thing. Here's the thing that I love about what we're talking about today you've already in the team. You've already qualified. You're already there. You're already there because of who Jesus is for us. See, there's, there's no qualification that we need to fulfil because Jesus has already done it. You know, the moment on the cross, Jesus said, "Is finished. What's finished, Jesus? What's finished is that you've got to match up to something that you can't match up to. What's finished is there's a set of preconditions for you to get into heaven. And, of course, that's the basis of most religions. To be accepted, there's a whole heap of things you've got to do. And sadly, we even see it seep into our Christian religion as well. Here are things you've got to do to be accepted. No, no. In that moment when Jesus is finished, what else happened? That, that curtain in the temple, which separated the, the rest of the temple from the holies of holies, the only place where God really was in that structure, the curtain is rent asunder. And here's the testimony that... It, the way is open. So here's the great thing for you and for me. You don't have to do anything to be on to God's team. And, and, yet, and yet I know for myself, even knowing that intellectually, sometimes emotionally, I've still got to actually believe that God actually invites me onto his team. He can't possibly. He knows what I'm like. He knows. He, 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 could he really? <laughs> It's a wonderful thing, isn't it, to know that irrespective of how I feel about it, how other people might say about it, or what Satan might put into my head about it, the truth is, Jesus invites us. So he says to his disciples, come, come, come follow me.
Come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men and women. Come. So the question is, not what do I have to do to get in the team, but have I accepted Jesus' invitation to join his team? What do I need to bring? Nothing. Come as you are. But you've got to accept the invitation. <laughs> there's no slipping in the back door. And there's no grandparents taking their kids along, though, and we really want to, or parents taking their kids, really, we really want to. No grandchildren in heaven. Only sons and daughters in this kingdom. And therefore, each of us have to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the invitation to join. I still have a powerful, long now, rehearsed memory of that moment for me personally. A sense of Jesus saying to me, Keith, you come my way or do you want to go the other way? It's your call. But to come my way, just come. <laughs> just come. Friends, if here in this building or at home you've not yet known for sure that you've accepted that invitation and you're still trying to prove to Jesus that you're good enough, give it up. I can't be good enough. No matter how hard I try and no matter what I've done, it is not enough because there's nothing I can do except to say, Jesus, I come. I come now. I'm going to pause right now and just pray. Father... You know, you know where we all are. You know our place. And I'm praying, Lord, for those who sit here going, I'm not sure, I'm just not sure. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you just uh, speak into their hearts and minds right now? Help them to say, yes, Jesus. Confirm it. And then, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we're all members of this team, your team. Amen. So it's a great thing of this sense of coming. And, and, and we can't capture in these few moments the wonder of Jesus' invitation to join his team. But could I encourage you to have a look at the, the series called The Chosen. Just put it in your web browser, The Chosen. Then there's an app to download. It is the best. It is the very best uh, contemporary demonstration of Jesus and his love and how he deals with people and I encourage you all to get it is free that's even better but if you haven't seen it put it in put it don't do it now folks you're listening to this sermon don't put it up <laughs> but what do it do it for yourself if you haven't seen it if you've seen it then you know the second series is coming and if you've seen it send it on move it on to let other people get a sense of it. And it's such a wonderful tool to help people who wonder, who is this Jesus? Or, well, I knew about him when I was a Sunday school kid. Well, mate, you're an adult now. Upgrade your education. Here's Jesus. Don't miss it. So I'd encourage you to, to if you get nothing else out of this morning besides the fact that Peter had a tattoo, get chosen. The second thing, that, that's the A. So the A is accept the invitation. The B is bonding with other team members, or if you like, what sort of behaviour is appropriate in this team? And this is where this passage in many ways in Philippians comes to the fore, because you see, what Paul is saying to these people at Philippians is, have a think about the basis, have a think about who you are, and recognise that you have this commonality, all of us, in the God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And because you want to talk about team, there it is. There's a theological underpinning of all that we do in terms of teams, that our God is a God who works in team, each with a particular 
uh, if you like, personality responsibility, although I struggle to find words how you describe God in that way, but at least from our point of view, to try and think about that, and yet to recognise there's a wonderful unity and a common purpose about that. And that's what Paul's referencing the Philippians about here. Hey, you're on the same team, have a think about what you have. One Lord, one faith, one spirit. That's what you are. So how should we behave then if we have that, if that's, if that's at the very core we are? Well, what does, Peter, what does Paul say in this passage? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, that's that, how, do I, how should I behave? Why should I behave that way? This is a set of rules. No, no. This flows out of the very nature of God who now indwells me through the Holy Spirit. This is, the, this is how it ought to be. And so what's the purpose of that? If the basis is their common journey in a, a triune Godhead, then what's the purpose? The act of unity, the being together, the being of one is sourced out of our triune God. Verse 2, make, it, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. How do I help build a sense of commonness here? How, how do I seek to diminish the, the potential for division in the life of any team? How do I help the team achieve its purpose? What's my part in that? Well, my part in it is to work towards unity. My part is to say, what are the things I can do which help us, as opposed to being a distractor, being someone who actively works against unity for some obtuse reason. So here's the challenge for us then. How in the team that you're a part of, the team that I'm a part of, how are we in this team together, as a part of God's team together, how do I strengthen the unity of this team along the way? And then finally, the behaviour. How should I behave here? And see the underscoring reality is not out of selfish ambition, verse 3, or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. <laughs> you see, here, here's the principle, isn't it? I'm willing to lay down what I want and I don't just see you as someone who's valuable to help me get what I want, but rather I say I need to submerge my own ambition, my own motives, and I need to be willing to hear and listen to what we're doing. I'm so grateful for that. I've been in situations when even in a leadership role, the key leadership role, others have been able to help me say, oh, that's, that's not the way to go here. That's not going to be a good decision. You need to submerge your point of view, <laughs> as valuable as it is, under what we believe God's calling us to do together. And that is no easy feat in our world today, which is about self-promotion, which is about me, and I deserve, and shouldn't you be listening to me? I mean, I'm the one with all the experience, I'm the one with the authority, I'm the one, whatever, however you define that as our world values people. But see, here's the counterculture reality of Jesus. That's not how he values. In fact, we see how he values. He values through servant leadership because that's his model. The undergirding principle, the ultimate test, be servant-hearted. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. 
Probably that's a journey, isn't it? I, I find it a constant journey because I'm bombarded by these other messages, whether it's by television or on my app or whatever I'm, whatever I'm reading or doing. There's this sense of looking after me. And here's the absolute contradiction to that. Here's the absolute cultural reality of Jesus saying, no, 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 no. Now, this is not to deny, in this unity, but it's not to deny this wonderful diversity. And even as we look around here this morning, you look at the people near you and close to you, you recognise that diversity is really profound and lovely. See, in 1 Peter, Peter writing, he says, each one should use whatever gift is received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Because Paul says so much about that too in... Ephesians and in Romans where again he lays out the reality that in this team we all have a unique wonderful function and I find that immensely encouraging um, as I'm ministered to by other people who have giftedness that I just don't have that's why I appreciate the people who who share here has anyone heard me sing you know you wouldn't invite me to a solo I can close meetings actually in the first church where I passed as a student pastor, in those days the pastor did everything and there was a pulpit with one mic and I had to lead the hymns. The second week I was in that church, the ladies who were out in the kids' crash where the, where the volume was pushed out said, could the volume be turned down please during the singing? Because they were only hearing me and that's enough to drive you to prayer. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful that in a community like this I can sing because there's other people leading us so well. Thank you, our singers even today, who lead us in that. So we all have these unique gifts and, uh, and we are obligated to use them because, as Paul says in the Corinthians passage, if you don't use your gift, we all miss out because we're not all noses or eyes or feet or toes. But if you are a nose, we need you because without you, we're in trouble. And so again, my plea to you is again, don't, don't disqualify yourself. Don't listen to the world that says you don't have this qualification or that. Don't, don't do it. Life is too precious, other people too precious for us to miss the opportunity to use our giftedness, our spiritual given, God-given uh, giftedness for others. The A, have I accepted the invitation? The B, how do I bond? What do I need to do to strengthen this together? And C committing to the team purpose. Philippians 2.2, 2, be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, one in mind, in a sense, our common purpose. So why does your team exist? What is the purpose of the team that you're a part of? And they will all have a purpose. Um, some are much more, if you like, valuable than others, but there'll be purposes. As I think about all the social teams we're a part of, you see, what Jesus says, buddy, is <laughs> here's the purpose. John 21, 20, 21, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Acts 1, 8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, here, here's the underlying, fundamental, ultimate purpose that we who have experienced God's love through Jesus and his redemptive work on the cross and his resurrection and the gift of the Holy Spirit will become declarations that God transforms people, that God takes people 
sin-captured people and liberates them. That, that's what a witness is. We witness to what we know is true for us. And, and that's the purpose. Now, what that might look like and the teams you're a part of will be very various. But if that's not the underlying purpose here, that we're here about God's business, that's what we're on about. That is our life purpose. And while there's lots of other things we do that are absolutely important, I'm not denying any of those, but at the end of the day, there's the key for you and me. I love how Peter says it in 1 Peter 2.9, but you're a chosen people. Wow. A royal priesthood, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Uh, there's a life motto there, isn't there? That's who I am. Chosen, invited in. Come, Keith, come. You're a royal priesthood. People who take other people to God, people who hear from God and, and, uh, and share that with those people. A holy nation, a people belonging to God that we might declare his praises. The Archbishop of Canterbury, well, an ex-Archbishop of Canterbury, he's not the present one, Dr. Alan Williams said this. He said, it is not the church of God that has a mission. It's the God of mission that has a church. So we don't exist for this church's mission. We exist for God's mission, which we trust as a community of believers here at Dural have interpreted appropriately for our context and where we are in this part of Sydney and our influence beyond this part of Sydney. But that's God's mission. And he invites you and me, as unbelievable as it is, to be co-workers with Jesus for that purpose. So, a couple of questions for us. What team am I a part of that's on God's mission? All right, I play sport, great. I have work teams, excellent. I've got a family unit, great. But where is the God mission bit in the teams I'm a part of? And some will be, some will be very, very clear. But for others, we're going to have to think about that. Uh, wh where is my representation of Jesus impacting into this team? So where's that for you and for me? Oh, Keith, that's great. I hear all that. That's all right for you. <laughs> but I'm not sure where I fit into this great scheme of things. Well, can I encourage you to think seriously about signing up to do your SHAPE course? And if you're not sure whether there's, write it on the Connect card today or just... Email into the office, say, when that series is on soon, then I want to be a part of it. I can tell you some great stories about people who've come into that course with no real sense of how God wants to use them and leaving with a very clear sense of God saying, I've given you this gift. The thing is, you've got it. It's just unrecognised, unaffirmed. It's, not, it's there. And you might just think, oh, that's, doesn't everyone do that? No, everyone doesn't do that. Strongest memory. Lovely woman came, Keith, <laughs> you know, I don't particularly want to be a Sunday school teacher, so don't tell me that, would you? <laughs> well, we went through the SHAPE course, and in that process, said, you know, well, so what, what's your daily routine? like, well, I pray three, three hours a day. Well, okay, <laughs> okay. It, that's normal, isn't it? <laughs> I said, I wish it was for me. <laughs> An intercessor. It was very clear this dear lady had a gift of intercession, and she did not realise so we released her. She joined the prayer team as one of the critical intercessors in the life of the church for us individually and for the community as a whole. What, what is your unique particular contribution? If you don't do it, know it, you need to find it because otherwise you're missing out and the people who need you are missing out and that's even more important. 
So seek the guidance of others. Talk to Brian, other pastors, Murray, your small group members. Have a chat. Trusted friends. What do you think? Where do I fit in? Ask for prayer for guidance today. Emma's already reminded us that it's over there. And if you're at home, send an email. Ring someone. I'm, I'm really got this sense. I thought today the Holy Spirit said that to me, but I'm not sure. Can you, can you help me affirm this is true? And then finally, in our small group, what's our mission focus over this 40 days? I've been so encouraged. I've talked to some people what their groups are doing. It's great. And let's not just make it for 40 days. <laughs> let's make that. This is just a core part of who we are. Let me pray. Father, we thank you again. We thank you for your invitation, which we don't feel like we deserve. But it's not a case for how we feel. It's a case of the fact of what you've done through Jesus for us. So, Father, thank you. Thank you that we hear again the power of that invitation. We acknowledge again that we fail, but we thank you that that doesn't stop us. And we thank you for the capacity to come again to you and say, Father, forgive us. We've, we've not done what we know we should have done, and we've done things we shouldn't have done, but we thank you that you're a God who loves us and through Jesus will provide a forgiveness for us. And Father, I want to pray over the teams already operating over this 40 days and ask you bless them, strengthen them, and Lord, use them. And then, Lord, for individuals who need to know how you've gifted them, how you want to use them, Lord, might you, might you encourage them through the Holy Spirit even today as we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.